Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Prayer is pretty powerful. In scripture, there's a man named Jabez. Jabez's name actually means pain. Jabez prayed and he prayed for the Lord to take away his pain and to expand his territory. And you know what? The Lord answered his prayer. And then there's a woman named Hannah. Hannah wept bitterly before the Lord because she could not have a child. And God answered her prayer. And that child's name was Samuel. And Samuel was the one who anointed David, king of Israel. And then I think of Elijah. He prayed. And then for three and a half years, it didn't rain. But after his assignment was over, he gets back on his knees. He prays. Seven times he prays. And on the seventh time, it started raining. And then there's Jesus in the garden. They said he prayed so hard that blood came out of his brow. And he prayed this prayer, not my will be done, but your will. And that prayer is what gave Jesus the strength to do what we could not. So why do we pray? Why do we spend 21 days of prayer and fasting? Well, we know that prayer works. And so we join us for 21 days of prayer. It's been good, man, the 21 days of prayer so far. We are on the last week of prayer. So if you haven't had the opportunity to join with us on that, uh, I want to I just encourage you to text that number, 817-803-31, and then text 21 days to that number. It's going to put a devotion in your email box. You have to give us your email address. That's the catch. And then it goes into your email box every, every morning and gives you some prayer points and some things to pray about. And it's a, it's a good, it's been so good. You know, what sets a church apart? Prayer. It's, it's a praying church. It's a church that prays. And I love being here on Sunday morning and worshiping with you guys. And I love when the, the, the music quiets down. And what I hear is people praying. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and so thank you guys for your prayers. Thank you for praying. Thank you for praying for the community and the, and, and the church. And I, I just want to say thank you guys uh, for just being here today. It's going to be an awesome day. We have a lot in store for you. Um, I don't even know what time the Cowboys play. It doesn't matter, right? Tomorrow, even better. So we got till tomorrow to get out of here. We're good. Oh, yeah, that's good. So I do have a few announcements to to open up with you guys. So there's a lot going on, and here's the easiest way to kind of keep updated on everything. We have a text number, 817-803-3131. If you text the word uh, update, to that, updates to that, and then it'll send you updates as we, as we get those things going on. So to let you know, next week 
is the big day. We're going to two services. All right, some of us are excited. One at nine, one at 11. It's going to be good. And you know, this morning we had all the volunteers come in and um, we're just going over what's to be expected and what's going to happen next week. And I was just looking at this army of people that love God, that love this church. And me and my wife are over there just praying during that last song, just so thankful. God, thankful that you guys that serve, you love Jesus and you want to be a part. And, you know, we use the term volunteer loosely. You're really ministry partners because what you do is just as important as what I do, what the worship team does, what you do to be a part and just to, to love the people that come into this church, to go in the community and love them. It's, it's changing everything. And so thank you for those that serve. We love you. I can't thank you enough. It just brings joy to my heart to see all these people serving. And so what you need to do is just, you can come to both services. There you go. Just come to both and it'll be great. Uh, but if you do serve, we just want to remind you, I'm going to encourage you to serve one and then attend one. Cause that, you know, we get so busy caught up in, in trying to minister to other people that we forget to get ministered to. You know, I'm repeating myself here about this morning, but you know, I remind myself and the staff is like, don't forget to be the church. Don't forget to be a part of the church. It's like you're ministering to the church, but we also need to be a part of the church and let the church minister to us. And, and so please uh, come. Please invite people, right? Invite people to come. It's going to be a good day. And then also the night of worship is October 1st at 7 o'clock. Okay, we're going to try it again. Night of worship. There you go. October 1st. At what time? 7 that's Saturday. Okay, Saturday. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a great time. We're closing out the, day, the night of worship with that. It's going to be a phenomenal night. Also, we get, to, uh, we get to just install some new deacons as well. It's going to be an amazing service. God's doing an amazing thing. Uh, and so this is like, this is like, there's something that's going to shift. I'm just telling you, something's going to shift on Saturday. So make sure you come to that. And then also National Night Out is October 4th. Um, with, with, we're partnering with the, the emergency services of, of Parker County and Weatherford, and we're going to be serving at Heritage Park. And so we're going to have a booth out there. We're just going to love people. We're going to show them that we care about them and that we're here for them. And uh, so make sure you sign up for that as well. Again, text updates to get more information about that so we can send out those invites for you as well. A lot going on, a lot coming up. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. And so I get today to, to introduce somebody that's just an amazing person and uh, what he does for a community through this ministry, what this ministry does. He just gets to be a part of it. I'm sure he's thankful for it. Uh, and this community is near and dear to my heart um, because it gives people a chance. It gives people the opportunity. It, it tells people, you know, life's worth living. You can do this. You can do what God, you know, what's happened to you. God can use it. God can do something amazing in you. And so what they do is they help more than just pregnant moms. They help families. And it's, an it's a beautiful thing. And we love to support Grace House Ministries through this church. We love to be a partner with them. And so it's my honor to, to welcome Charlie up here. He's going to tell us more about Grace House, what God's doing through Grace House, and how we can uh, be more of a partner for them and help just change this community. So, Charlie, it's all yours, sir. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And you got it exactly right. I'm just blessed to be a part of the ministry. Um, 
so Grace House has been around for uh, coming up on next year. We'll we'll make 30 years uh, of ministering in in, uh, in this area. Started with uh, three ladies who just wanted to have an opportunity to offer alternatives to abortion uh, to young women who found themselves in unplanned pregnancy situations. And so that continues to be uh, the heartbeat of the ministry today. And we do that through uh, three ministry programs. Uh, if you've seen the Options Clinic building over behind the hospital, that's one of our locations here in Weatherford. That's where we present options, life-affirming options for uh, for unplanned pregnancy situations. We do pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, limited STD testing uh, as part of a pregnancy consultation where we meet ideally with both mother and father and encourage them to choose life uh, for their child. For those who have been a part of an abortion decision in the past, we also have an abortion recovery Bible study that we do through Options Clinic. We want them to find hope and healing and forgiveness in Christ. Uh, that's a difficult thing to live with, that uh, that guilt and shame that's a, that accompanies that. And so we want to we want to lead them uh, to Jesus because His sacrifice paid the price for every sin, including including one like that. Uh, we're also equipped. Uh, recently, haven't had the opportunity yet to serve one, but we can offer the abortion pill reversal. Uh, there's an opportunity, a window of time when someone has taken the abortion pill when that can be reversed and the life of the child uh, can be saved. And so that's something that we want to uh, be able to offer and we're equipped to do that through Options Clinic. Our, our second ministry program is called Grace House Pregnancy Center. For those that choose to parent, we do pregnancy or, uh, pregnancy parenting and life skills classes. So we want to get them educated and equipped uh, to be uh, ideally a, a family. Again, we want to serve the mother and the father, teach them how to be a husband and a wife to one another, a father and a mother to that child and equip them to do that well. And if they come to class, then they get points uh, to spend on diapers, car seats, playpen, strollers, all that kind of good stuff. If you've had kiddos, you know, my goodness, all the stuff that they need. We want to make sure that they are materially equipped, educationally equipped, and, and spiritually equipped. Every opportunity we get at Options Clinic and the Pregnancy Center, we want to share the gospel. Uh, not only do we want to give them hope uh, temporally here for this pregnancy situation and for parenting and being a family, but eternal hope in Christ. Uh, so yes, the pregnancies in our educational material support and just ongoing emotional uh, support group. Uh, some of our clients have supportive family and some not so much. So for some clients, we are we are their, their family and walking with them through uh, the first couple of years of that child's life. Uh, and then our third ministry program, the one that gets uh, missed sometimes is our Pure Truth program. We get opportunities to go into middle schools and high schools, talk to students about uh, relationships, about postponing physical intimacy until a committed monogamous relationship, you know, marriage, uh, that being the ideal, and uh, just it's overall a healthy decision-making course, encouraging them uh, to consider their decisions carefully, make wise decisions that are going to be uh, for their good. So that's, those are the, that's the three ways that we serve uh, through Grace House. We just, this year, just within the last few months, got to open up a second location in Mineral Wells. Uh, there's been a, yeah, it was really exciting, and a whole lot of work, praise God, it is, it is underway now, it is in place. Uh, there's been a pregnancy center in Mineral Wells for, for many years. Uh, called Cocoon Pregnancy Resource Center. They had, had struggled to grow and offer all of the services uh, that they wanted to offer, so we got to partner with them, uh, come alongside and expand. And everything that we're doing at, at Grace House Pregnancy Center and Options Clinic in Weatherford, we are, or very soon will be, in Mineral Wells. We are we are this close to having an ultrasound machine there uh, to, to add that essential service to be able to uh, clearly demonstrate the reality of, of life in the womb. Uh, so that's been very exciting. Additionally, when I first came on to Grace 
Grace House in 2016, I was uh, in the client services role, primarily starting those services to men. You know, the essential part, we know that 85% of women who choose abortion are unmarried. And if a if a man can be a positive influence on that situation, the likelihood that she uh, can feel equipped to choose life is is drastically increased. And so uh, the board and the, the staff at the time saw the value in that, brought me on to start serving men. Since then, I've moved in the executive director role, and sometimes I can't get away to see guys. We've just hired a second male staff member into that client services role, so we're not missing men who come in with their partners for pregnancy testing so we can effectively teach them uh, how to be fathers. So we're really excited about that as well. Pastor Neal encouraged me to share some stories as part of this is this you know it's great you can hear about all the services I could give you numbers 680 clients served at options clinic last year 130 of those were men uh, we had over 2,000 visits to the pregnancy center about 1,200 students that got uh, instructed through pure truth that's all great uh, but how about some stories because that's that's the best part uh, so we uh, so I'll tell you let's see we got one I left my sheet at home so I'm having to do this from memory uh, one young lady uh, she had come in and was uh, she was planning on having an abortion. Uh, that was the direction that she was headed. And, and we, we loved, I loved to tell the stories where just in the course of the visit, bam, uh, a mind has changed and she walks out planning to parent, but that wasn't the case. She came back a week or two later to, to do an ultrasound. She wasn't quite far enough along when we first saw her. Uh, still, uh, considering going to Colorado or maybe New Mexico, uh, to, to pursue an abortion there because she couldn't get one at that point in Texas due to the changes in the law. And so uh, it was, this has been months ago that we first saw her and she was back in a week or two later for the ultrasound, tried to follow up, weren't sure. And so, you know, here we are, you know, praying for her, hoping uh, to find out that she'll uh, choose life. A couple of weeks ago, our nurses were able to follow up with her and she'd chosen to parent her child and was getting prenatal care, was taking care of that baby. <laughs> Love to see that. So for um, you know, some of our clients who come see us, they're, they're already planning to parent. But one, one young lady, she and her husband, they'd been married several years and been, been trying to have a child the whole time they were married, had been unsuccessful. She was super excited to get the positive test result that day. And you know, we're, we're celebrating that with her. And so we, we have her there. We've got the opportunity. The advocate begins to talk to her about God. And she, you know, very, very abstract, very kind of removed God, you know, they believe in God, you know, some belief there. But when she started pressing in and, and talking about, about Jesus, it was clear there was no relationship. She was able to present the gospel and she prayed to receive Christ. Uh, super exciting. Love to share, love to share those stories. Uh, for another young lady, she came to Options Clinic. Uh, she wasn't she wasn't pregnant, but she was interested in STD testing. She had had uh, many partners in the last several years and become sexually active in her late teens and was was feeling conviction about that. She was a believer. She was a follower of Christ, but had been living outside of his will in that regard. And so uh, she, the advocate talked with her, scheduled another appointment for her to come back to set up a spiritual you know, accountability system for her uh, to be able to make uh, choices that are pleasing to God for her good, uh, ultimately, uh, and for his glory. And so love to be able to serve folks in that way. Um, let's see other stories. I had, I had a bunch prepared. Was um, oh, Baby Finley. So uh, we uh, we had an opportunity to um, minister to, to Finley's mom. She was uh, coming through our classes at the pregnancy center, was excited about this pregnancy. 
but she had an adverse uh, diagnosis during the pregnancy. She learned that Finley uh, was going to be, uh, was, had Down syndrome and that she had a heart issue that was re- going to require at least two sur- surgeries to repair. And based on what she was told, she probably wouldn't survive the first one and definitely would not survive the second surgery, wouldn't be strong enough uh, to do that. And of course, we prayed with her, encouraged her. Uh, I don't know in her particular situation of anyone encouraging her uh, to abort, but that's pretty much standard practice across most of the country and, and much of the world in a situation like that. Well, let's go ahead and have an abortion rather than uh, deliver this child. Uh, Finley came into the world. She survived the first surgery, and she's now a year old, and the doctors have said she's strong enough for the second surgery. So we, we just recently we had a number of opportunities to text out through our, our, our prayer text uh, to let our, our supporters know to be praying uh, for her. And we had an opportunity recently to let Brandy know, her mom, uh, know about this, the feedback we got back and how many people were praying for her. And she was just deeply touched and with just tears of joy at, at knowing that so many people were praying for Finley. And I'd ask you to continue to pray for her. She uh, uh, She's certainly not out of the woods. The surgery is, is no small thing, and they recently learned that she has a genetic uh, condition that's led to an aneurysm in her, in her brain that will have to be dealt with at some point. It's not emergent right now, but they'll have to address that. So uh, still still issues in this child's life, but the Lord has shown himself faithful thus far, and we celebrate this beautiful little life. So uh, we would love to have you praying for us, uh, praying for Finley, praying for our staff. Uh, there are opportunities uh, to volunteer. would love to talk to you about that uh, after the service. And uh, let's see. I think I, I, before I ramble on and, and answer too many questions, Pastor Neil might ask me. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> so how can we, how can a church, because you're a paraminister, that means you come alongside the churches. How can a church help with Grace House? Uh, prayer would be a major thing. The spiritual warfare is a major component of this. The, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not uh, um, care for image bearers. Each human being created uniquely to reflect God's image in a special kind of way, and he's he's a destroyer, a killer. And so he, he wants to see abortions happen. He wants to see lives and families destroyed. So he's not happy with what we're doing. Uh, we, we pray that, uh, we, we would ask that you pray uh, for us in terms of the spiritual warfare that goes on. Uh, additionally, just for perseverance for our staff and volunteers, it's uh, it's been a very busy year. Opening another pregnancy center uh, was more than I anticipated. I knew it would be a lot, but it's uh, it's been quite a lot. So, uh, yes, that's absolutely a, the best way that you can help okay. us. Uh, addition, volunteering. Uh, we, we have a number of opportunities. I've got a, a full list, and we never want to say it's the full list. If you have an idea of, a, hey, would this be helpful to Grace House? Ask me. Maybe we haven't thought of it, and that would be really helpful, but the, the two I'll highlight right quick are um, mom mentors and dad coaches. So uh, some, of our, some of our clients are open to, to additional help beyond just the classes and the ongoing assistance that, w- they, that we offer. They're really kind of open to discipleship and being, uh, being walked with in a, in a more closely relational kind of way through the pregnancy in the first few years of the child's life. And so we try to pair those up with what we call them mom mentors and dad coaches. So if you're uh, someone who might be interested in that, the, the idea is you make contact with, uh, with your mentee uh, once a week, phone or text, and then once a month meet with them in person, 
coffee, meet at the park, something of that nature, just to encourage, support them. And really, our hope is, we don't necessarily tell the client this, but our ultimate goal is to connect them to a local church. Uh, that's that's yeah. what we would love right. to do. So, uh, And then the other volunteer opportunity I'll highlight is uh, Pure Truth Instructors. Uh, ideally, we, we love to send different volunteers out pretty much every day that we do instruction uh, in the schools. We have eight topics that we instruct on, not all necessarily related to um, uh, to abstinence, education, there's some other topics we cover. So if you love young people, if you can stand to be in a room with middle schoolers, I would love to talk to you. I'm just kidding. I, I have I have one, and I love him. Uh, he's great. The rest of them, though, not so much. Sorry. I hear you. I hear you. So we do support them monthly on a financial basis, and then right now we are uh, doing a, a diaper drive, and thank you, Rebecca. Rebecca, if you can stand up, I just want to recognize you. I know it's embarrassing, but uh, she came to me. You know, as soon as as soon as the the, the Supreme Court passed a decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, she's like, "Hey, we got to do something because this has just opened up a can of worms," and and so you know, the church should take responsibility for uh, the oncoming. Uh, you know, thank God that closed, but it, it presents another problem, right? We're going to have more births. We're going to have more people coming. And so the church needs to step up. She's like, we need to step up. So uh, I feel like we need to step up and, and get more involved with Grace House. And, you know, I talked to her about becoming a liaison for us and how we can help Grace House, how we can get volunteers going. And, and she's done a phenomenal job. And so thank you so much, Rebecca, for doing that. She even set this meeting up uh, today. So Thank you. If you need anything, if you want to, if you want to volunteer or have any questions about Grace House, please see Rebecca, and she will more than be more than happy to to help you. Quarterly, month, yeah, quarterly. So uh, that's good. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for doing that. It's such a huge blessing, and thank you, Charlie, uh, for coming today and and being being here today. We love you guys. We love what Grace House is doing. Such a huge thing, and bless you. Um, I'm going to do two things. Christian, if I can get you to come up and just play some, some music. We're not closing. Don't think you're getting out this early, all right? Uh, I want to I do two things. I want to I bless Grace House financially. Um, I sent a text out. Hopefully you got it to be ready. Um, we want to bless them. Now, we do support them on a monthly basis, but believe me, their budget's way more than we can do. So it takes every church doing something to, 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 to offer this. And so I want to bless them financially. I also want to pray for Charlie and his family because when you're, when you're the person, right, when you're the, when you're the person that stands in the gap and, and leads an organization, not only is that person under attack or under the gun, that family is under the gun. And so I want, I want to pray for Charlie and his family and, uh, and just pray for them, for God's hand of protection on them, for wisdom and strength. And so um, if the ushers can go ahead and come up and we'll get ready to take that offering. And so I want to pray for them while you, while you get ready for that and, uh, and just, just bless them. And so, Charlie, if I can have your family come up, if that's okay, we just want to pray for you. And my wife can come up as well. So I just want to pray for them, guys. Can we pray for them? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this important ministry. I thank you for this family, God, that loves you, that loves the people that you created. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom, give them strength. Lord, I pray that your protection would be upon this family.
Lord, that their hearts would remain soft towards you. That when people come at them, when the enemy throws things at them, Lord, that it does not affect them, Lord, but they, they see your goodness in all things. Lord, I pray for their marriage, that it's strong and binding, that the enemy would not be able to, to get in, Lord, but that it would be a strong tower built on your word. Lord, I pray for his children, Lord, that they would follow you all the days of their life, that they would not allow the ugliness of the world, the meanness of people to affect them, and to know, God, that you are good even when people are not. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray a blessing over them. God, that you would give them everything they need, every resource under heaven for this family. God, give them every spiritual blessing. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for your protection over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God. We love you all. Okay, well... We're going to go and take that offering up, and while we do that, do y'all take it up? Okay. I had my eyes closed, so I didn't know. Um, so while they take that up, Chris is going to play us a song, and then I'll get into the, to the message today. Give you a few minutes to do that. set up a thing. We set up an online giving option for you. So if you give online, a lot of people don't give uh, checks. A lot of people don't have checkbooks anymore. Uh, a lot of people do things electronically. So you can go to our website, waterhousechurch.com, and you can give there. There's going to be a little drop-down menu that says Grace House One Time. And so uh, when you see that, you can just put it into that fund, and we'll make sure that we get it to Grace House to bless them. And uh, so thank you so much for blessing them. So thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot to them. Um, financial support is, is huge. And I want to say thank you guys that give so generously to Waterhouse Church on a, on a regular basis. It's because you give that we're able to be here today. It's because you give that people uh, get to hear the gospel. It's because you give that, man, lives are being transformed and changed. So thank you so much for that. And so uh, thank you for your giving this morning. Um, and next time you just tell me, hey, we ought to take the offering up, you know, so we're good. <laughs> It's okay. I love what Grace House does because it takes up the cause of the orphan. The cause of the orphan is so huge to God because we see in Isaiah 117, God is getting on to the people of Israel because they're doing all the right things. They're going to church, they're worshiping, they're giving, they're serving, uh, they're, they're, they're singing, they're, they're, you know, they're singing to God, but... He's getting on to them. He's saying, I detest it. I don't, I don't get anything out of your worship because you don't love me because you don't love the people of God. And he gets to Isaiah 117 and Isaiah is speaking for the Lord and he says, do this. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. And the people of God are called to do this, to, 
to pick up the cause of the orphan. What's the cause of the orphan? Well, what is an orphan? If you look it up in the dictionary, it'll simply say that an orphan is someone who's lost their parents in war. But really, an orphan is, is much more than that. It's somebody who doesn't have a house to belong to. It doesn't have a family that loves them. It doesn't have a father that can speak life into them. It doesn't have a mother that can nourish that person. The cause of the orphan is that, is that this person doesn't feel safe. They're not supported. They don't have what, what, what they need to, to thrive and to survive. They're out, left out all alone. And I love Grace House because they give moms and dads the opportunity to pick up that mantle and to say, I can care for this child. But it also helps, it helps the cause and the rights of the widows, the, the women without a father in their life, of widows without a man helping them to raise this child. And so we as a church need to see those things and, and, and move after those things. We have a responsibility to do this, to take up the cause of the orphan, to take up the right of a widow to care for people. That's, that's a main responsibility of the church, not just physically, but also spiritually. Well, what do I mean by that? There's, I know because I was one. I was a spiritual orphan. I didn't know the love of the father. I didn't know that I was welcome in his house. I didn't know that God wanted to, to, to bring me into his household and adopt me and, and bring me into who he wants me to be. I didn't understand the inheritance that was waiting for me when I gave my life to Jesus. See, orphans, they don't have an inheritance. They don't have anything. Orphans often do not even know who they are. I talk to a lot of parents who foster, who have even adopted kids in. There's always this identity crisis within the, that child because, number one, they feel unwanted. They feel like nobody loves them. Foster kids especially. Well, I'm just here because those people get money to take care of me. And they feel like they're tossed around anytime they cause trouble or anytime that there's something going on. They don't feel like they belong. And spiritually, we can feel the same way. We were, we're looking for somebody to love us. We're looking for somebody to take care of us. We're looking for someone to give us an inheritance. And we have become orphans. I, I want to even say this, that many believers walk around like orphans. They don't really understand what the Father has done in their life. Call it an orphan spirit, call it an orphan nature, whatever it is, we walk in that. We don't truly understand what God has done in our life. And I know because, like I said, I was that. I was, I was a believer. I loved Jesus with all my heart. But I still walked in this nature of an orphan. I didn't quite get what God had really done in my life and what he's really wanting to do in my life. I was lost. I, I, I didn't know truly my identity in him. I didn't truly know that he had a destiny for me. And I truly didn't know that he loved me the way he did. I had an idea, but I didn't truly grasp it until I truly embraced his love for me. In Lamentations 5.23, I didn't give it up there, but I'm going I'm to tell you what it says. It really labels the cause of the orphan. It says, our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. It's a fatherless generation the fatherless generation that we're dealing with now. 
And, and there's something missing in our community. It's the strength of a father. It's the words of a father. It's the affirming words of a man to speak life into their kids, to give them an inheritance, to show them that they're loved and that they're cared for and that they're safe. And I'm not taking anything out of single moms. God bless you for what you do. I know my mom took care of me. I know the sacrifice you make. There's a lot of single dads in here too. Thank you for that. I want you to know you're not alone, that the church wants to help you and take up the cause. When I was first saved and I really gave my life to Jesus and I love Jesus, like I said, but I really didn't understand all God had done in my life. I was always, I felt like there was, I wasn't accepted anywhere. Even though people were trying to love me, I couldn't allow them to love me. Even though people were trying to help me, I couldn't allow them to help me because number one, I felt unworthy. I didn't feel like I really truly belonged in the, in the, in the church. I really didn't truly belong. And, and God, I had this sense of um, unworthiness. And until I embraced what God had done in my life, that didn't change. And some of you today may have that same mentality, that same nature, that same spirit working in your life. And I want to define that spirit to you a little bit. I want to define that nature to you. I want to show you the nature of an orphan. Number one, a great telling if you have the nature of an orphan, you have an unhealthy fear of provision and protection. You're afraid of people. You have a, a fear of authority. You're always afraid if you're going to have enough. Number two, they assume rejection. When you walk into a room automatically, you think, everybody hates me. Nobody wants me. You have this fear of rejection, and then you do everything you can to be accepted by people. You perform, you do, you go out of your way. You're the class clown, right? You, you want to look like a fool so people will at least laugh at you. You have this, you assume everybody rejects you, and you got to make people like you. Insecurity. You're insecure. You're always walking around, not sure. Paranoid distrust. You have a paranoid distrust. Uh, I can't trust anybody. That was huge for me. I can't give anybody my heart. I can't give anybody my life because I can't trust them. Because what they're going to do is they're just going to rip it out again. They're going to take my heart. They're going to rip it out, and I'm never going to get it back. I can't trust people. You're greedy or a hoarder. You're afraid to give up. You're, you have this sense of control, like I have to have everything. You're trying to, to fill that hole with stuff. You're a poser or a performer. I see it all the time with people. They come in and they, you know, guys were good at this. You know, walk in all big and bad and, you know, I'm like, dude, you're a poser. You're putting on a front so people will accept you. You're trying to perform so people will like you. You have unreasonable expectations for other people. Nobody can ever fit up to what you want them to do. Nobody can add up to what you want. Everybody has to fit this bill, and if they don't, then 
They're not allowed in your life, and I'm telling you, there's hardly anybody allowed in your life at that point. You isolate or you insulate. What does that mean? Like, I'm just going to go sit in my corner. I can disappear. I'm good at it. I know I'm a big guy, but I can disappear. I can find a quarter and just nobody even know I'm there. Isolate, insulate. Don't let anybody in. Don't let anybody know what I'm going through. Don't let any. I'm good, right? You got the face. I'm happy. I'm good. Today's at church. We're good at church today. But inside you're dying. <laughs> inside you're hurting. Inside you're lonely. Mediocrity, conformer. You conform. You bend at the at, you bend at everything because you just you have nothing to stand on. You have no identity to hold you intact and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is the truth. Otherwise, people that, that don't, that have this orphan mentality, they just go to whatever feels right or whatever's acceptable. Cursor. You're always speaking bad about people. You're always speaking bad about situations. And you're unwilling to forgive. There's bitterness in your heart. And maybe I read that list, and you're like, man, I'm like, all of those. There's hope for you, because I was all of those. And, and, and just recently, within the last couple of years, God has moved that out of my life, and, and he's revealed it to me. This is what's going on in my life. I have this orphan spirit, or this orphan mentality in my life, this orphan nature that God's wanted to remove, because I didn't understand my right as a son. I didn't know that I had good standing with, really had good standing with the Father and what that truly meant in my life. I don't want to break down a passage to you that, that King David wrote because he understood the love of the Father. He understood that he was truly brought in. And we use this psalm a lot to, uh, to justify pro-life decisions. And we even use this passage when I have kids come up and we dedicate them, have baby dedications. It's a beautiful passage. But I want to look at this passage the way that David wrote it. And maybe we can understand the love of the Father, the grace of God, what he wants to do in our life. And so if you have Bibles, we can turn to Psalm 139, and we're going to look at verse 13. David's reflecting on his life. Now, theologians think he wrote this when he was being crowned king, and he was reflecting on all that God had done in his life, his faithfulness in his life. And he writes this in verse 13 of 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so complex. I love that. Other translations say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in my mother's womb, in the darkness of the womb. You saw me even before I was born. David at this moment realizes that God had a hand in my design. Every person in here has the fingerprints of God upon their life. Every person is designed and loved by God. You're designed by God. And God doesn't make junk. You've heard that, right? 
I'm a child of God and God don't make junk. You're designed by God. He guided everything. I love what Job writes. In, in Job chapter 10, you see Job remembering this. He goes, remember that you made me from dust. He's actually saying this to God. He's praying this to God. Will you turn back to dust so soon? You guided my conception. And form me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Job understands that God is in, he is involved in our life. He is involved in our conception. From the moment that the sperm meets the egg, God is invited into that and he is involved in that. That's why every life is precious. That's why your life is precious. Because you are designed. He knows everything about you. He knows every mole, every hair, every place hair should be, <laughs> and every place hair shouldn't be. <laughs> but he knows everything about you. He designed every part about you. And, and so often we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, I hate my nose. I hate this. I hate that. But God created you. You're beautiful to him. He looks at you and he smiles. He said, that is my creation. I designed that. I formed that. Genesis 1.26, going all the way back to the beginning, God says this, let us make human beings or man in our own image to be like us, to be image bearers. I love what Charlie was saying. We're the bearers of God's image. We're image bearers. And I could teach on this for months about the image of God. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the earth. In verse 27, so God created human beings or mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We are the, the very image of God. Our nature. That's what he's talking about, our nature. God created our nature to be like him. God created us to, to know him intimately, to walk with him. He saw us and he formed us and, and he wants us to conform of him. Jesus is the, invisible, is the visible image of the invisible God. It's not that, that God looks like Jesus physically. It's that the nature of Jesus reflected the nature of God. And the nature of humans reflect the nature of God. And you're like, well... There's some pretty jacked up people. Well, that just proves that there's a problem. And that when mankind sinned and fell, it tainted the image of God. And that's why God had to do something about it. He's like, my image has been tainted. I need to do something about this. And even in, even in the garden, he had a plan. When mankind fell and they ate the fruit and they disobeyed God, he says, I have a plan. You brought death and destruction upon you, but I'm going to bring life and eternity back to you. I'm going to restore that nature that I, want, that I put in you in the beginning. And so that's why he gave us Jesus. We are the image bearers of God. You are precious. So please don't look in the mirror and hate yourself. Don't compare yourself to other people. God didn't compare you to anybody else. He didn't look at this person and say, I want to make him just like this person. He created each and every one of you by his design. We're not cut out people. Right? We're not, 
We're not copy and paste. No one shares the same DNA. Not one person. That's how unique God is. That's how creative he is. Your life is precious. And then it continues in verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. David in this moment realizes that God has a destiny for me. How faithful he has been. How God had laid everything out for him. And I want you to know that you have a destiny that God has laid out for you. A destination that he wants to bring you to. Every person in here has a destiny made by God, has a purpose created by God and for God. Psalm 139, or Ephesians 2 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, good things, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Meaning the moment that he was, you were being created in the womb, even before then, as David says, God had already laid out a purpose for your life. And good parents know to see that purpose in their kid's life and to help bring them into that. Orphans do not have that person to tell them who they are. They don't have that person to tell them, this is your identity. This is who you are. They don't have that person to show them the destiny in their life, to bring out those qualities in their life that God put into them, those God qualities. But children do. Love kids do. They have parents that speak life over them. They have parents that tell them who they are and what they're on this earth for. And God the Father speaks over his children. And he says, I have a purpose for you. I have a destiny for you. Don't give up on life because you have something beautiful that I've created you to do. God has a destiny for you. When... uh, when my mom was pregnant with me, and I just recently found this out a couple years ago, my, 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 uh, my real dad had committed suicide before I was born. There was just a really hard rift going on in my parents' life, and, uh, and she was pregnant with me. He didn't know about it, and everybody was telling her, you just need to get an abortion. You can't handle this. She had my, my sister to deal with, she was grieving like crazy. And they're like, you just need to abort it now before, you know, while you're having to deal with this. You don't need to deal with this. You can't raise this kid. You don't have time for another child. And she told me she was on the phone at the abort- for the, to call the abortion clinic. And she felt like the Lord tell her don't. I'm glad she didn't. God had a destiny for me. God has a destiny for every single person in this place. And you may be wondering, man, what's my destiny? Come to the Father and he'll show you. He'll speak it over you. He loves you. And that's what David remind, David finds out and tells himself in, this, in the rest of this prayer to God. He says, how precious In verse 17, are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot even be numbered. I can't even count them. (laughs) They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. 
David realized, God, how precious are your thoughts towards me. Everybody's passage, right? That everybody loves. Like, I know the plans that God has for you, right? Plans to, to bring you good and not harm. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's a true thing. God loves you. He sees you. He desires for you to be in his presence. That's why he brought Jesus into this world. So he could buy us back. So he could instill his nature back into us and, and bring us back to his presence. He desires for us to be in his presence. He loves us that much. He has good thoughts of you. And some, some of you may be in here like, man, God hates me. God's waiting for me to mess up. God can't love me. I'm not worthy. He's saying, I died for you. I didn't die for the person next to you. I died for you. I died for them too, but I died for you. And until you get that into your head, until you get that into your heart, you're going to walk around with this orphan mentality that I'm not good enough, that God doesn't love me, that I don't have a purpose, I don't have an identity. I, I, why am I even here on this earth? And until you understand the love of the Father, the deep love that he's willing to send his son to die for you, to buy you back. He's saying, you've been running from me all this time, but I'm buying you back so you can run to me instead of from me. Amen? That's good. I love Romans 5.8. He says, but God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we rejected God, while we told God we don't want anything to do with you, he still sent Jesus to die for us. That's the love of the Father. That's his heart for you. That's his heart toward you. Everyone is a desire for God. He desires to be with you. Orphans don't know this. Orphans don't understand this because they've never had anybody truly love them. And then they feel like they have to earn it. They feel like they can't get it. They're always holding people at bay. And today, I want you to know that God wants to bring you in. He wants to adopt you in. He wants to make you part of his family. God does not have illegitimate children. God doesn't have foster kids either. God has children, children. This is how much he cares about it. This is how much he cares about you. I was going to an event. Actually, I just came back from, but it was two years ago. And I've been the pastor here for about two years. And this is right before COVID hit. And I was praying and I was just, you know, we were at this point as a church where we just had a few people here. And it's starting to grow, but not, not like, not like this. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, God, just bring more people, bring more people. God, we need more people, you know. And I was just praying that. And, and I just felt a check from the Lord. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was something deep within. And I heard this. I do not give illegitimate children. See, in the church, we're pro-birth. Like, we just want to get people saved. We want to say the prayer. We send them out. And God's saying, I don't give those kind of kids. I don't have illegitimate children. We, have, we as a church have a responsibility that when people give their life to Christ, we have to raise them up. We have to take care of those people. We can't just be all about salvation. Salvation's great. 
But that's where the work begins. That's where we as a church have to take up the cause of the orphan and to bring them in and to teach them that they have an identity, that they have a purpose, and that God loves them more than they'll ever understand. And he does. He loves you more than you'll ever know. I love Galatians 3.26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. What does that mean? We've taken on the nature of Jesus. Our old nature is gone. The new nature is here. We've put on that new nature that God created for us in the beginning. Like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Here's what it is. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are truly children of Abraham. You are his heirs. You have an inheritance. You have an identity. You have a purpose. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You have an eternal dwelling with the Father. In Christ, we have identity. In Christ, we have a destination. We have a destiny. In Christ, we are accepted into the Father's house. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why Jesus came, so that we, we may know God, that we may know the Father, that our relationship with him would come back to where it was supposed to be, that we would take on that very nature again and not the nature of our sinful nature. We are children of God. We are truly his children. And so I want to I wanna have the prayer team come up if I can. like everybody stand. <laughs> While we were speaking today, maybe even during the song in the Father's house, you, that, none of that even struck home. Father's house, what, is, what does that mean? But then after listening to this message, after listening to Charlie talk about the beauty of God's design and, and life, it might have struck home. Man, I'm living as an orphan. I don't have, I feel so rejected and dejected. I want you to know that you have a home. Not just here with these people in this church. But when you step into the faith of Jesus, when you step into that kingdom, you don't just have a house, you have a mansion. And you belong to a new kingdom and a new people. And you are co-heirs with Christ in this new kingdom. You are brought back into the loving hands of your father who loves you, who sees you, who wants the best for you, who has called you by name. He knows you by name. And he says, I love you. I'm proud of you. I want you in my presence. And we only get there through Jesus Christ, through accepting his work on the cross, 
that he bought us, that he removed our sins through his sacrifice, and that we can come to God the Father through the body and the blood of Christ Jesus, and that we are accepted in only through the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And because his son gave up his life, we are, became, we are able to become sons and daughters of God. So this is what I want you to do. If, if that's you and you're like, man, I'm just, I feel like an orphan and I need to know that God loves me. I just want you to come up and get prayer. We're going to pray for you. We're going to ask God to, to, to reveal himself to you. His, your identity, your destiny, and his desire for you. Those three things. And if you need prayer for anything else, we want you to come up. Could be sickness. You could be standing in for somebody else that needs this. This is important, guys. The altar time, this, this time is important. So take advantage of it. Stand up. Let us touch heaven with you. Let us pray for you. So we're going to take some moments to pray. Just come on up if you need prayer right now for anything. Come on up. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw everyone up that needs prayer right now, Father God. God, bring the orphans home. Bring those orphans home today, God. Those people that feel like they're not good enough or unworthy, God, I pray that they would come up and that you would meet them right now. Bring them up right now, Jesus. Bring them up, God. Move their feet to come up here and get prayer. We thank you, Father, for this. Lord, we love you. Thank you, God. For anyone else that needs prayer, Lord, I just pray that you would draw them up and you would touch their hearts. They'd remind them, Lord, this person today in here that came in defeated and felt like their life was done and that they were maybe even complete contemplating suicide and had already made the plans and wrote the note and knew exactly when they were going to do it. God, I pray that you would draw them up right now, God, and that you would just break them and show them your love and your mercy and your kindness, God, and you would change their destiny forever right now, Lord. I thank you for that. We love you. So we're just going to give you time to move and time to work, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you do what you do. We love you.